This is Game Level Learn, a podcast for parents, students, teachers, school administrators, professors, and anyone else interested in game-based learning and gamification in education from kindergarten to adulthood. Join us as we discuss card games, board games, tabletop role-playing games, and video games, and how those games and their mechanics can be used to transform teaching and learning. Welcome back to Season 3 of Game Level Learn. My name is John Cassie. I'm joined, as always, by my dear friend. Tracy Wozenegger. What's up, Trace? You know, it's, as I was telling you earlier, it's Wednesday. I haven't had a day off since Monday. Barbarism. So, uh, things, are, things are just moving along here. Right. You're holding on by a thread. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know where all of our listeners are from. You're, of course, in California. Right. I'm in, in Pittsburgh. That's right. Right. Where it started out the day with, you know, mild raining temperatures and sometime tonight it's switching to snow and right. by Saturday it will be two degrees. Yeah. So. That's two degrees Fahrenheit to our dear yeah. friends in... Uh, <laughs> That's uh, right. Uh, you know, in 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 parts, well, frankly, everywhere else on Earth, right. that that doesn't use the ridiculous <laughs> Every, Fahrenheit else. scale. Yes. You know, um, and yeah, two degrees Fahrenheit is uh, what minus sixty degrees Celsius some or some ridiculous yeah. number, yeah. right? It's very yeah. cold, well yeah. below freezing, right? Um, and here just in time to ruin everyone's weekend. That's correct. Yeah, but um, not get us out of school. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. It just. If you're going to have to suffer through it, you might as well go into have virtual a... school mode, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, here, last week, we suffered um, three and a half days of uh, of continuous rain. So, of course, oh. there was, you know, you know, new religious movements and cults were formed. Sure, sure. Prophesizing sure. the end of the universe. Of course. Uh, right. And, you know, today, uh, bright, bright, brilliant sun and... Um, uh, uh, just a little bit over 60 degrees, which, of course, meant, oh uh, you know, the parkas were out and the, uh, you know, the woolens, <laughs> you know, you know, people who people who grow up in Orange County, they'll acknowledge this, have a temperature tolerance range of only four degrees, right. two degrees on either side of 70. Right. Right. You know, 65 is you know, like Barrow, Alaska. Yeah. You know, and uh, the surface Meanwhile, of. Meanwhile, in Pittsburgh, it's 47 degrees and people have their parkas and jean shorts on. That's right. That's right. Yeah. 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 72 degrees, the surface of Venus. You know, uh, you know, 68 degrees, you know, the surface of Pluto. It's ridiculous. Um, so, um, yeah. So we're, you know, we're gotten on, you know, it's January. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, and uh, we're about to, uh, you know, approach the that that part of the school year that everyone dreads. My old boss called it farch. Yes. Um, you know, where you've got endless five-day weeks in a row. Right. You know, uninterrupted, and it's where sort of children and faculty become yes. a little bit unhinged. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm almost there already. It's not even the end of January, right? right? And I'm right. starting to feel it. Right. Um, yeah. I don't have a day off till February. Yeah. Brutal. Yeah. How will you manage? I don't. I mean, I'm hoping with snow days. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm really right. hoping By that Mother Nature will get it together. And, oh, yeah. And yeah. throw me a bone here. Yeah. Um, I think it was our second year of working together, Tracy, where we had that polar vortex yeah. weather event over and over and over again. And there was not a week between returning to school 
and spring break in mid-March where we didn't at least have a two-hour delay right. or were called off every single week. It yeah. literally felt like we were on one of those teacup rides. Right, right. Right. And like, I don't, I mean, you know, we joke and I, lo- I love a two-hour delay. I mean, some teachers get mad because it's disruptive to their schedule. Mm. I'm not one of those teachers, right? I just want to sleep in the winter. <clears throat> But, yeah, uh, that was that does get disruptive, right? I just want to snow like one snow day, another two hour delay. Yeah, but, like the every week that's too much. Yeah, that's, we, that becomes too disruptive and. Yeah, yeah, it really got to the point where, uh, you know, we all felt like, wow, it, you know, at this point, instruction is really being damaged. Yes. You know, yeah. we've missed so much time, and we're so, we're so off balance. Right. That. Uh, uh, we feel like we, you, you know, it's like you, you, uh, you trip on a patch of ice, and before you fall down, it's the oh my god, oh my god, oh my right, god, oh my, right. you know, your arms yeah. flailing in the air as you try not to fall down. Right. You know, you, we never quite got our balance that year. Right. Um, I don't want that. Yeah, we don't want that. Right. But one or two two-hour delays, one day off. Which we no know harm, no foul. Day. That's fine. Precisely. Right. Right. So. This is episode eight. Woo! I know of season three, where we've been talking about role playing, role playing mechanics, and integrating role playing dynamics into your classroom. And we've basically reached, uh, you know, reached the end of the campaign with yeah. some thoughts about what we might call campaign design, which right. we've kind of done a little yeah, bit in previous episodes, yep. right? And uh, boss design, and in this episode, uh, dear listeners. Uh, we're gonna sort of. It's gonna be sort of a, a sort of Tracy heavy in the beginning, and then John heavy at the end. Tracy's gonna talk about work that she's doing with one of our colleagues at Swickley Academy on um, essentially campaign design, and they're they're making their way through it, but they're not done, right? No. And I'll share, <laughs> uh, you know, at the end in in sort of the second segment, um, some bosses that I designed for this America 3.0 class that I've discussed in, in past seasons, which was a contemporary uh, history of the United States from roughly 1970 to the present that was a fully gamified experience meant to function very much like a massively multiplayer online role-playing game, right? And all of those have a, you know, the, the, the end of a content patch, you've got the big, big, big boss of whatever the content right. patch is, Right. Uh, you know, probably the most famous from the game that I play, World of Warcraft, was a character named Arthas, who was a character called the Lich King. Uh, yeah, he was super, super bad. Did um, he have a phylactery? His liches had a phylact had phylacteries. Okay, liches he had love phylacteries. Yeah, I love saying the word phylactery. Same. Um, yeah, <laughs> um, he had a uh, he had a big, big, big sword uh, called Frostmorn. Oh. Um, yeah, he was, yeah. Sounds I mean, they've awesome. been at this a long time. And that patch, that content, that that enemy, just about yeah. the best they've ever done. So, uh, you know, so I'm going to share a couple, of, a couple of bosses that I designed that were meant to be fully synthesizing in one area of history. And, uh, and you know, we'll take it from there. So, so, Tracy, campaign design is all about building the building blocks. Right. The structure of the experience in such a way that your players can move through it in an orderly, systematic right. way and developing skills to get better and better at whatever we're doing. Right. Right. 
That's, so, so this is what this is what um, my colleague and I are in the middle of. Right. So, um, so share with I us. I told her. I told her we, I was talking about her on the podcast, and she said, "Did you say my name?" And I said, "Oh, I think I did." <laughs> <laughs> I'm making an awkward face that no one can see except yeah. John. <laughs> so I'm just going to refer to as my as my colleague um, until she comes on next season and talks to us. Right, because um, we're going to do a lot of that work in season four. Right. So, um, yeah, so we're in the middle of it, um, getting ready for March, which yep. is rapidly approaching. Yep. Um, third and trimester. Yes, third. Yeah, so we teach, we have trimesters in our schedule um, so our course will only be a single trimester, and our third trimester is a little bit shorter because seniors leave early, and with graduation, it just it gets a little bit um, it's a little bit tighter than the other two trimesters. Um, so we um, we started with the backwards design, right? And we sort of identified right. um, some of the big things that we wanted kids to take away from the class. Um, after we recorded our last episode, John, yep. um, I had a meeting the next day with my colleague and we really got a lot of work done that, you know, talking to you had really sort of set things in my mind. Um, my colleague and I had decided about the grading, the meeting before that. Right. Um, we got stuck on assessments and how are we going to grade kids through right. this? Right. Um, and that was like a 75 minute discussion. Um, it's know, hard. Yeah, it was really hard. We yep. really had to, you know, we really had to both look at our philosophies and, uh, but we got through all that and we, so we've settled now on, um, we're leveling content, um, more than players. Um, and we're, we sort of stole your pyramid approach, okay. um, that you mentioned last time. But we're going to create sort of a map and turn the pyramids in so that, like, you start up the outside layer of the pyramid is, like, the fringe of the map. Oh, yeah. I love that. And as you move in, you're getting more and more specific. So we're going to have, like, five pyramids sort of pointed into the center. Yeah. Um, which is, like, the end boss of the course. Dynamite. Um, right. And then, um, so we've, we haven't done a ton of boss preparation yet. Um, we just started working on quests. Um, and brainstorming what sort of our end of um, unit bosses could be. We've done some brainstorming, and we've decided that we want some of our mini bosses to be cooperative. Mm -hmm. So they're going to require multiple players to um, even start the quest. Yeah. Um, I like and that. We're th yeah, we're thinking of doing um, like even like uh, breakout boxes for mini bosses. Love it. Where kids will have to come from different content areas and come together um, to supply the knowledge that they would need to, you know, to solve all the puzzles in the breakout box. Simulations could be mini bosses where kids have to come together from different content areas to work on compromises or represent different um, interests um, for a particular global issue. Um, so those are some of the things we're, we've been talking about. Right. We're trying to make our sort of big boss that the kid will, you know, sort of as their last thing do. Um, and we're trying to design assignments um, where the student will have to, because it's a global issues course, we're very interested in the connections and divisions that occur in global systems and mm -hmm. 
Uh, you know, how does environment relate to migration, relate to urbanization, relate to consumerism? Um, so we're, we're in the process right now of trying to design these sort of end bosses that require the students to look at multiple areas of the course to complete them. Yeah. Um, and I think, we, you know, we love to make kids design games. Um, but we also like to incorporate things like art, writing. Um, you know, we like to have student choice. So we're, I'm hoping after you and I talk today, um, and I have um, a meeting on Friday of this week, that we'll get a significant portion of this work done. Yeah. Yeah, I, th I, th I think you're totally on the right track, right? Right. I th it's just we're now in the place where we really have to sit down and, like, do the detail work. <clears throat> right. I, what yeah. I love about the pyramids, right, is they, they reflect some kind of granular aspect of what the Global Studies course cares about, I would think, right? Yes, like, yes. There's, a, there's an environment pyramid, and there's a, there's exactly a, there's right. a migration pyramid, right? Exactly right. And if you think about the way that these would kind of Venn diagram together, right? right. You know, if they, were, if they were colored, right, yes. then a red yes. and a yellow... <laughs> Right. Okay. Well, a challenge that represents both of those concerns would be orange. Right. 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 And so I would be thinking to help students see what they're doing. Yes. Right. Okay. So in order to pass this class, you have to have uh, three of the five base colors, two, right. two synthesized along three color dynamics, right. and one rainbow or something like that. Right. Right. That's what right. we, we set yeah. all that up. Yeah, that's, what, it, that's to, what it's going to look like, right? They have to be like a generalist in all five categories. Right. Um, I think we're going to use um, beginner. Shoot. I know it masters the highest, journeyman. Apprentice? Apprentice and beginner. Yeah, yeah. perfect. So they have to be a master in um, two to get an A. Got it. So we're, we sort of have decided to grade based on... Mastery. Mastery. Outstanding. Right. Way so better. If you, if you work a little slower, <laughs> you're still going to master the things you do. You just might not master as many things right. as a student who's able, you know, maybe has higher level skills and moves a little more quickly. Right, right. You're yeah. still giving a student who moves at a, uh, at a slower pace but it's perfectly capable of doing the work, the opportunity to get the grade. Right. Because now you're not, you're not artificially assessing at different times, which, right. which disadvantage people who learn at Correct. a pace different than the pace you've set. Right. right. And they'll be able to do work outside of class. And um, we're even looking at um, programs at universities, you know, like lectures yeah. and things like that that they could go to outside Absolutely. of school time to yeah yeah yeah, yeah. all of those and yeah. and that totally conforms with the with the kind of gamified mode of global studies in the first place right 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 you know that 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 program wants the student to be self-directing and making mm -hmm. these interesting cultural choices right. to learn more broadly anyway right right yeah i i i love that and i'm i'm pretty confident that you're on to a winning strategy 
you know, I because think we're there. I think we like passed the threshold of, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, what are we doing? Yeah, yeah. And we, you know, we definitely have a clear direction and yeah. In, in some respects, one of the harder things to do is going to be figuring out what those little boxes at the beginner level look like. Right. That's why we decided, like, let's go to the master level first. Exactly. And work it down and figure out. That's like, correct. What are these beginning skills that right. kids are going to need? Right. Right. The all the all the proof you need of what we've been saying all along, which is backwards design. Right. Right. What right. question do you want your students to be able to answer at the end? How do you want them to be able to demonstrate that they can integrate knowledge across knowledge domains? Exactly. Right? And once you've done that, then that that core question or different shadings of that core question point to what the rest of it needs to right. look like, right? Right. Like if it were me writing it, there would be five different end bosses. One yes. of which is sort of more environmental. That's exactly what we're doing. Yeah. So, still, still synthesizing, but yes. more environmental. But the environmental right. is going to ask students to draw from precisely all the other four domains. Yeah, precisely. Yeah, right. Um, because and again, that's because the boss critical thinking skill you care about is synthesis across domains. Right. Right. If you didn't care about that, the bosses would be a little bit more siloed. Exactly. Right. They stand right, in their own uh, domain. Domain. Right. Yeah. Their own knowledge yeah. domain. Right. Yeah. Right. But we very specifically care about the interaction of domains and how things right. move back and forth. Yeah. Exactly. Um, which, again, listeners, you could do it exactly the way that Tracy says. Or you could say, well, no, integration across knowledge domains is really not what I'm interested in. So, right. so do the opposite, and you'll and it's still a valid game. Exactly. Right. One is not there. It's not a matter of right. It's a matter of what. What do you What do you need? Right. right? What are you trying to accomplish? Right. I could envision a gamified visual arts class that's looking at multimedia or mm. three-dimensional media right. that would have no interest in integrating across a knowledge domain, but mm. would instead be deeply interested in integrating across domains of doing. Right. Okay. So the final project has to integrate and demonstrate mastery of your ability to use, say, copper wire, tin work, clay... Right. Paper mache. Right. And, you you know, you give like eight or nine different modalities of three-dimensional art. Integrate them in a way that forms an aesthetic whole. And that's the final project. Right. Right. And awesome. Right. Yeah. Great. Right. Or it could be a class that's in painting. And in that case, you're probably looking at, uh, you know, domains of technique. Right. 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 Which it's more like a knowledge domain. Right. Right. Um, so, again, you know, you have to, you know, listeners, you have to think about what do your kids need? What is your objective for learning knowledge? And what is your objective for getting students to be able to demonstrate mastery of 
core skills in your in your discipline, right? Right. Tracy, by virtue of being a chemistry teacher, has to be ever mindful of the use of specialized scientific equipment, glassware, scales, um, and and other and other matters of like literally physical safety. Right. Where right. in if I'm teaching history, I have no professional interest in those things as a historian. Instead, I'm interested in helping students master the use of archives right. and non-traditional written sources or uh, gathering useful data in a foreign language or figuring out how to interpret a very complicated chart right, right. Um, that's about you know social change or whatever right or a map that seems to say something about uh, you know the relationship between northern states and western states or whatever right right um, and if I identify that as a as a critical skill then I should be able to see it in both the final boss and I should be able to yes. draw a line yes. back mm-hmm. to its granular expression, right? As, all right, now you've got to show me this one thing. Show it to me in isolation. Right. Now, show me it with this other skill. Now, it's just sort of embedded in that final concept, right? Right. Yeah. And, you know, the nice, the nice thing about global studies is it more or less forces you to think about science as a historian. Right. And history as a scientist. And history as a scientist, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which... Yeah, I'm so um, disappointed in myself, I guess, for not knowing all the history. Of mm. play, right? I'm constantly trying to catch up on history, and my colleague is constantly trying to catch up on science. Yeah. It, it, you <laughs> which, know, I mean, it, it makes us really great partners. Right, right. <laughs> um, but I'm always like, wait, let's talk about the Kurds again. <laughs> Right, yeah. Let me let's just go over this one more time. Uh, right, right, <laughs> right. Like, because in because in Turkey this and but in Syria that and right, yeah. but they're all the same people. Is that but right? All the same, right, right, yeah. Yeah, right, right. Um, you know, I for my own profession, professional and personal development, right, right. Um, because I'm a TK through twelve director of curriculum and innovation. Okay. Right. Um, I. I will always put on my kind of reading list for the year books that are well outside of my area of okay of professional depth. Sure. So that I've got a little bit of something, right? Like I read a number of books about mathematics instruction and about mathematical thinking in my first year in yeah. my present job because I felt like this is an area where I could beef up some knowledge, right? Yeah, couldn't we all? Right. And yeah. by doing that, I can more confidently speak with my mathematics colleagues and right. help them think through problems because by virtue of their deep training, they have a uh, they have like a deep wisdom. But what I bring is the sort of wisdom of being a novice. 
Right, right. Right, which is... Well, and what does the novice need and what does what makes right. it approachable, yeah. Right, and uh, I will ask questions that, would, that that discipline would not normally surface. Right. Because I haven't been trained in it. Right, you're so not why, in it every day, all the time. Yeah. Right, <clears throat> you know. I mean, and Tracy, you know that that from my own perspective as a as a person keenly interested in developing the skills of other teachers, right? Yes. That I'll always be saying, you know, to folks like you, well, why don't you try this thing? Why don't you read this book? Read this article. It doesn't have anything to do with your discipline, but I bet if you read it and thought about it, you might have an application for it. Yeah. Right. I don't know what that is. Go read it and come back. Right. And we'll talk through it and see if there's anything there. Right. And we're totally on a tangent now, but I think, I mean, for me, education is more and more going to be about these overlaps of domains. 100%. Right. You know, I'm not, I'm not just teaching chemistry. I, you know, I'm teaching chemistry and the environment and math and, oh, a little bit of history now and... I think it's going to be more and more interdisciplinary work that we're doing as teachers. Completely. Yeah. Right. And, you know, Tracy, you, you'll, I mean, I might've said this directly to you at some point when we were working together, I might've said, you do realize you're going to be, if you don't leave this, this school, you're going to be working in that classroom in the year 2045. Right. Right. Are you really prepared to just keep doing what you're doing? Until 2045? No. Right. No. Not the same way. Yeah. Right. So pick a thing and do that thing in some new way. Right. And it's going to open up a way of thinking that if you pursue it, will open another way of thinking. Right. Right. Which will itself and then so on. Right. 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 Oh, I've had great ideas about instruction popped up from gamification that weren't gamification. Right. Right? But right. it started by thinking about gamification. Right. How can we do this? And, oh, that's really not the right thing. Oh. But now I'm so deep thinking about it, I've thought of the right thing. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. 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 You've got to sort of, you got to sort of commit to, to the notion that if I put in this time that feels a little abstract. Right. Why am I, why yes. am I reading this? You're reading it to become a more skilled professional. And any thread that you follow right. will lead you into a tapestry of great richness that you didn't even yeah. know was there. Yeah. Right? Because if you never bothered to follow the thread, you wouldn't have gotten into the story right from that particular place. Right. Right? So if I read a bunch of books about math and mathematics instruction, that nevertheless helps me when I'm teaching entrepreneurship. Yeah, right, of because it's about method. Right, right, and all what we're talking about now—I mean, on this podcast—is about a unique method of instruction that we think, if you do it, even if you do it badly, is going to have a benefit for your kids. And that, you, yeah. and you, right? Yeah, that otherwise. You know, you would have passed up. And why would you pass it up? You shouldn't pass it up. Don't pass it up. Try it. Don't pass it up. Don't pass it up, friends. Right. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, it's a bit of a segue or a bit of a tangent. Yeah. But but I think it's it's dead on, you know. Us have tangents 
Never. I've never heard of such a thing. <laughs> right. Okay, no. tell us about your course now. Okay, so... Give me all the ideas. Flood my brain with ideas. Okay. I don't know that that's going to happen. I think that might have happened last episode, right? Okay. Okay, so... The course I taught, America 3.0, very quickly, A Contemporary History of the United States, 1970 to the Present, divided into six domains of knowing. Okay, remember yeah. we I had sort yeah, of domains of knowing and domains yeah. of doing, right? Yep. Um, Social change and social reaction, American culture in a globalizing age, politics of the United States, economics and finance, labor and industry, foreign policy, and technology. Okay. Okay. So there are disciplines of history, the history of science, political history, military history, foreign policy, you know, diplomatic history. Intellectual. Okay, so these are all professional domains of history, perfectly legitimate ways of looking at the history of the United States. My contention was mostly what folks get in this country is kind of military and political. A little bit of economics, a little bit of tech, maybe they get virtually no social change and they get no culture at all. Right. Okay. And so I wanted students to really develop a depth. Okay. Um. And then to do something with that. Now, as opposed to your course, I kept my students in the silo. All right? Right, right. Right. So in order to get level 100 and, uh, you know, kind of get an A, you needed to answer a level 100 boss who was a really, really hard question in one of these domains. Right, okay. one of those so, domains. Right, so let me... Without, um, without crossover into the other domains. Right, now now if you crossed over, you earned uh, you earned achievements for integrating. Okay, yeah, okay? yeah. Okay, yeah. right, so there's still rewards, but it was not required, okay? Right. Um, so the first one that I'll share. Okay, I'm ready. Economics and finance, labor and industry. So this is the economic history of the United States. Okay, and um, uh, mostly what I wanted students to master at the lower levels were the differences between things like (coughs) manufacturing and services, uh, pensions and health care. Why does our health care work the way that it does? Well, there were a number of laws in the 1930s and the 1960s and the 1970s that more or less created our system, right? Right. I wanted students to sort of think about think about that and understand it, right? What is the connection between the economy and 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 energy, right? So yeah. so dependency on oil, solar power, things like that, okay? And how do we spend the money that we spend? Why do we spend the way that we spend in this country, right? Yeah. Okay. So, the economics, finance, labor, industry, one level 100 boss said <clears throat> Bring the federal budget into balance. Explain how you do so, who pays, and why they pay. Explain the social consequences of your decisions and any short, medium, and long-term economic, financial, labor, and industrial consequences of your decision. For purposes of this, Boswin, do not consider the politics of this, but you must explain how and why the nation made the decisions you're now correcting. Okay, so in other words, you have the opportunity to balance the budget. Right. Do so. What do you cut? How do you change taxation? What are the 
what are the what are the cuts you make where do you spend more money etc cetera, etc cetera, right. right all of the levels before that would give students an understanding of the broad economy okay and the capacity to answer the question okay right. this question gets them to look at the numbers okay just look at the numbers yeah all right and once you start to tweak something the moment you move a dial you have to think about the consequences downstream of that change okay and ultimately and they could report on this in any way they could have written a paper they that's what i was going to ask you could they have like done a presentation written a paper yep yeah yep yeah they could uh they could have hosted a small conference right they could have made a video they whatever right yeah this does not say how do you do this it just says do it do it right right show me the knowledge yeah. The way you do it, it it's up to you, up to you. right? Um, because the you know remember the doing tree is a different thing, right? Right. Um, and uh, students who grappled with this found it extraordinarily difficult because you know I'm a you know I'm a well trained historian and you know person who can lead students through uh, you know political complicated political discussions regardless of my own my own beliefs. Right. When I'm in classes, you know, students will very often say we have we had a very hard time discerning what your politics were until you told us. Yeah. I'll always tell them at the end. It's like, but for the purposes of now, you don't need to know what I think. I will tell you what I think. But for now, I just need you to work. Okay. Right. And so, you know, you make something that looks like it would be a decision that a Democrat would make. I understand how to critique that from a Republican perspective and vice versa. Yeah. Or indeed from a libertarian or green or other kind of perspective, right? And, you know, it's very easy to bring the federal budget into balance. It just isn't easy to deal with the consequences of doing so. Yeah. Right? Um, and so that was that was a significant challenge. It took uh, the, very, the handful of kids who were interested in this kind of thing. It took them a long, long, long time to process the data to the point where they felt like, okay, I feel like this is all defensible, right? Okay, like, yeah. I feel like I can go in front of, you know, Dr. Cassie or whatever my audience will be, right? Right, and, and defend the decisions that I've right, made. Right, and yeah. defend it, right? Because whatever, whatever you do in the boss, you always had to defend it. Right. Okay. There was always going to be a component where I was going to come at you with with questions. Right. right? Of course. And and see, you know, what what is this? Uh, you know, what does this look like? Right. Okay. So that's a, that's an example of a highly data driven, yes, historical question. Okay. Now, one that doesn't really care about numerical data in any way. This is the level one hundred culture. Win. Ooh, that's what I was hoping okay? for. Okay. Yes. All right. <clears throat> so, in the transition from America 1.0 to America 2.0, which I said is uh, industrialization. Okay. Okay. You know, America 1.0 was agrarian. America 2.0 is industrial. Okay. Factories Are we in America 3.0 now? Yeah, we're in America. We're, we're just about there. Okay. okay. So, sort of post-industrial, uh, largely services driven by rapid uh, technological change. Yeah. Right and and massive disruption in social systems, cultural systems, and political systems. Okay, yep. so yeah, that's what 
you know, once we're through, that's the sort of the age of the singularity and all this kind of stuff, right? Sure. Okay. So, okay, in the transition from, no, it's fine. In the transition from America 1.0 to America 2.0, major disruptions in uh, social relations, cultural practices, and social truth uh, led to the widespread adoption and embrace of fringe cultural practices. In many cases, these fringe practices died out, like Fourierism. Okay. In other cases, they survived into our own age, Christian science. Okay. Okay. Trace the phenomenon of cultural resistance to the mainstream and or the emergence of cultural anxiety in the transition from America 2.0 to America 3.0 and speculate based on reason and sound evidence about the likely survivability of at least three fringe cultural expressions in the year 2100. Super hard, right? Yeah. Right? Super hard. I mean, presumably levels 1 through 99 have prepared me. Exactly. Yeah. Right? They've asked you to think about all manner of cultural expression, popular music and film, fiction and the visual arts, intellectual arts. Right. Right? They've asked you to look back to cultural and social expressions in the past that right. that died out, right? Right, and they've why asked, they died out. Right, right. Yeah. They've asked you to look at things that uh, that mainstream culture had a very difficult time processing, like uh, the Heaven's Gate cult. Yep. Right, Jim Jones, right? God, I love uh, a cult. Right, oh yeah, we could spend a whole... Let's just talk about cults. Right. Did you, did you ever watch on Netflix Wild Wild Country? Not yet. About the Rajneesh Puram cult in yeah, uh, not Oregon? Yeah, oh It's on God. my list. It's on my list. Tracy! <laughs> Ma Anand Sheila. It's like, if I watched one more episode of that, I would have gone to Rajneesh Puram right now. <laughs> right? She's, she's. It's like people talking about Rasputin. Yeah. Right, and how like mesmerizing he was. Every word she said, I'm like, just keep talking, right? <laughs> she was super interesting. Crazy. Don't join a cult. Crazy, crazy, but interesting, you know? I'll rescue you, don't worry. Uh, thank you. I would need it, yeah. right? <laughs> you'll, need, you'll know what I'm talking about when you watch the program. Um, so, you, you know, like things like, um, uh, you know, punk rock. Yeah. Right? Does that, does that endure? Right. Right. Uh, the novel. Uh film, science fiction, whatever, right? Right. You know, the nice thing about it being open is that it really lets you choose. Right. What to focus on. Right. Which to, yeah. Right. And, you know, because these were kids who had a lot of, uh, the kids who were interested in this are students who uh, perceive themselves falling outside the <laughs> cultural and social mainstream of the school. Yes. Right. So they, they had fringe interests. Right. Right. And so by having them, they were able to kind of engage, you know, they were able to engage the question. Right. Exactly. And again, it's just. And these okay. were these were juniors and seniors, just seniors, uh, seniors. OK. Yep. Um, yeah. And so, you know, if you want to look at. Um, you know, behavior that looks a little bit more like this is a little faddish. And maybe it's political. They could bring that in on their own, right? 
right? This right, seems right. a little faddish, and maybe it's about, uh, you know, it's like th- th- this is the sort of age of uh, the Tea Party and like Occupy Wall Street, that kind yep, of thing. You yep, know, when I yep. when I taught this last, right? Um, and so those things could be brought into a cultural conversation if the students wanted to, right? Right. The folks who did this were really interested in sort of culture and technology. <laughs> oh, right? okay. Yeah. And so that's cool, right? Um, but you know, listeners, I hope that you can that you can sense from the question that I started with this question and built the levels backwards so to make that sure that students, students could, could answer, them. answer it. Yes. Right, right. And that that that's the that's the core takeaway from sort of about boss design, right? If you want students to be thinking about fringe culture, mainstream culture, you know, the kind of the conflicts between the two, right? Right? How do they play out? Why do they exist? Okay? Um, you know, you you look at uh, you know, you look at television or you look at films and, you know, what what's the difference between, uh, you know, a kind of on the on the edge television program versus one that's catering to the mainstream? Right. Right. Uh, well, what does that look like to you? OK, well, what does the same thing look like in fiction or in painting or wh- whatever your jam is? Right. Right. And how does the fringe become the mainstream? Right. Right. Yeah. Right. How did you know, radically uh, unacceptable uh, music that was only listened to in gay clubs. Right. Become mainstream. Become utterly mainstream. Yeah. Right? Well, you know, that's that, that, that brings you into Madonna as a kind of cultural lens. Yeah. Right? And that then lets you ask, well, what about that kind of transformative female-centered, female-empowering, right? you know, um, you know, kind of movement, right? This was before Lady Gaga became Lady Gaga to the level she is, right? But right. There was, she was there, and students were like, well, surely this is a connection. Yeah. I said, I think that's defensible, right? If you listen to her music and you look at the way that she presents herself. Right. Right. Um, and I mean, I thought it then, I, I think it more so now, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so what you want folks when you're doing this is to create these bosses to be so wide that they could be answered by a student in virtually any way using whatever knowledge they think best applies. Right. In right? what, in whichever medium. Correct. They feel comfortable. Correct. Yeah. Right. Because because the historian is not really doing the work of answering other people's questions. The historian is answering the questions that she has put to herself and said, that's worth studying. And so in this case, I've provided a broad framework for the historian to work in, because a cultural historian could very easily find themselves thinking about this, yeah, writing about it, and then speculating. Okay, you know, I just read a book with some friends about the cultural history of Wonder Woman and who, who created Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Okay, and 
it was very interesting, right? Yeah. I would have wanted more speculation, right? Project this forward. Don't just be a historian, but also be a social scientist. But not yeah. every historian wants to do that, right? Right. But that's what I want, right? You know, take take whatever your interest is, and then show me why that had this kind of rippling knock-on effect. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. Or what that knock-on effect might look like, right? Oh, I, so if you I think like, this is true, yeah, what should we do? I like the idea that you um, designed the bosses as historian, right, as, in this historical framework of this is what a historian does, this is what a, this is how they study. Mm-hmm. That makes me, I'm starting to think about then our bosses should be framed as a global citizen. Right. What right. do we want a global citizen? How would we want a global citizen to approach this? Exactly. Right. Exactly. What would, we want, what would we want a global citizen to do when faced with this? Yeah. Right, right. Um, what do... Yeah, looking at this from this unique global perspective. Right. Right. Taking on the role of this global organization, right? These are the ways you get to that right. point, right? Or as a uh, consumer, right? What are your responsibilities as a global citizen and a consumer? Right, right. Those are those are great questions, yeah. right? Yeah. And thinking about these different global perspectives, these global kind of angles, right? That lets you help students develop a capacity to hear the voices of global global players right, a little right. bit more effectively. Yes. Right? Um, and while not necessarily speaking in their voice, being able to integrate these other voices and perspectives. Right, right. right which I think is likely to be a core mission of your program. I, I Yes, I think so. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, this has given me an idea. Thank you. Always. Um, and, you know, folks listening, we hope that it's given you some ideas as well. You know, we've taken you over the course of season three from the most basic granular things that make role playing what it is. Skills, statistics, special attributes, etc. Gone all the way through character design, level design, course design, and, you know, boss design. And we hope that you've got enough different perspectives from Tracy's work, from my work to carry you through in the work that you yourself are doing. Um, final thoughts, further thoughts, Trace, or do you think we're, you think we're about there? I think we're about there. Yeah, I agree. I think I'm, I'm excited again to work on my course. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. I mean, you right. do get in these places where you just sort of, you know, you get stalled and you're not sure what to right. do next. And Right. Um, you know, as I've said before, talking to someone else really makes all the difference. Makes all the difference. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so friends, here's what happens next. Uh, we've got one episode to go in season three in which Tracy and I are going to talk about role-playing games that we're playing or played that we think to the end of playing all the games. Play all the games. Play all the games, right? We think that you should play these games. 
They're going to have a role-playing focus. So role-playing mechanics will be what you'll develop if you play these games. Mm -hmm. uh, Tracy and I have talked about the fact that we're inevitably some role-playing style board games. Yes. Right. Will show up on the list as well as proper tabletop role-playing games. We're going to give you a list of maybe five or seven, you know, things that th things that are on our mind that we think you should play. Right. We'll go on to hiatus as we uh, prepare the schedule and calendar for season four, uh, where we're going to do some some different uh, different things with some guests we're going to bring on. Yay, guests! Right. So uh, you'll hear from us again in a couple of weeks, and thanks so much for listening. Go Join to our Discord. Discord channel. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Rate and review on iTunes, on Stitcher, and where else, everywhere else that you find this podcast. Join our Facebook group and get out there and do the work. Now's the time right. to start thinking about what this work will look like for the 2019-20 school year people. Exactly. Right. Yes. Now's the time to start thinking about reconceptualizing your classes and thinking hard about it. Right. You can um, start small. Do a, do a, totally. a single lesson. Do a unit. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, you know, start thinking about your travel calendar, folks. Tracy and I are going to be at Origins in June. Yes. Origins is in Columbus, Ohio, and you should join us. I'm going to uh, be there. I, I think we're probably going to present together uh, at yeah. least one time, maybe on yep. escape rooms. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we'll probably have a, you know, we'll host a little uh, couple hours of gaming, perhaps with GLL types, if you happen to be at the con. That's right. So we hope that uh, we'll yeah. get a chance to meet a lot of you and, and play together. And, you know, Tracy and I have met some of the, some great, great people just throwing down games after a, oh, yeah. you know, after a session. So, yeah. uh, you know, we hope to get uh, to meet many of you and to learn with you and to learn from you. Yeah, conventions so, are also a great place to try. Oh my God, it's the best role-playing games and oh yeah, anything. Yeah, yeah, and you know what? We're at a point now where, almost no matter where you live in this country, you're no more than three or four hours from a great con. That's right. And uh, you know, if you're in Southern California, Strategic Con in Los Angeles meets three times a year. That's got about three thousand people now. Origins, second biggest in the country, I think, at about twenty thousand attendees. Yeah. And Gen Con is ridiculously huge now at 65,000 or 70,000, you know? Yeah. Um, extraordinary opportunities. Love them. Love them. Yeah. All right, Trace. Uh, All right. We will uh, talk soon and we'll talk about uh, role-playing games. Excellent. Ha! What do you know? Season three, role-playing games. Yeah. All right, wait. Trace. Talk Bye. to you soon. Bye.